What's up, JFW family? Welcome back to the Channel 23 podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to reach out and touch the fleet, to engage and inform everyone with all things JFW. Welcome back, Super Dave and Brother Dave. Top of the day your way. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for listening. Jim's down in Arizona this week, so we ought to find somebody to fill in for him. I'm super excited about our guest today. He is a Adams Polishes spokesperson. <laughs> He's known as the antagonizer on the streets of Metro Denver. <laughs> and he's the king of the shuffle meetups, Jesse James Baeza. Welcome, What's up, Jesse. everyone? It's Jesse here. Good morning, Jesse. Good morning, Jesse. <clears throat> Thanks for coming in today. You know, thank you guys for inviting me. I do want to mention the things that you hear on this podcast today are not the opinions of JFW. They're just our expressed opinion. I like it. <clears throat> so, Jim, before he took off, he... Uh, he actually did a really great job. He sent me an email, pretty much a complete outline of what we should talk about today. So thanks, Brother Jim. He did mention today is our 23rd episode on the Channel 23 podcast. So how cool is that? It would have been cooler if we did it last week because last Wednesday was the 23rd. Oh, wow. Yeah, we missed it by wow. a week. 23, yeah. 23. We shouldn't have took that one week off, so right? shame on us. Right. He also wanted to talk about what does Channel 23 mean, and we talked about this once before, but Channel 23 is the local CB radio station that JFW uses to communicate with each other while we're out on the road. We have company radios, uh, which we refer to as a family channel, and then we have the CB radio, which is not the family channel, but we use radios to talk to loaders and operators, but when we're going down the road, the CB radio is the main way that our drivers communicate with each other. And why are we reaching out to the fleet? Well, we used to have safety meetings until the pandemic hit. And when the pandemic hit, we had to find a new innovative way to reach the fleet. So we came up with this podcast, which honestly I think has been going really well. And he also wanted us to explain what all things are JFW. What is all things JFW? That could be anything from fueling procedures to shout outs to safety topics, so all the things that we discuss on a weekly basis on this podcast, it could just be the silliest thing, or it could be something that's detrimental to our business. So all things is all inclusive to everything that goes on here at JFW. Yeah, that's a pretty pretty broad <coughs> spectrum, isn't it, Jim? All things. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, when you talk about that, gosh, everything we do, we've tailored to our way, you right. know, and, and that's not just... Like at the Jim and Dave way, we feel it's a safer procedure, you know, and almost everyone benefits from that. Like the dumping, looking out the back window, and I mean, it's a variety of things. Just it entails a lot. It's a world. It is. It's more than just JFW. It's people. It's people's lives. It's the Denver Broncos. Russell Wilson coming yeah. to Denver. Oh, I heard some great things about that yesterday. Yeah, but Danger I don't wanna, Russ. I don't want to. <laughs> oh, that's almost a dad joke, Dave. That's no, funny. That's mainstream. Have you yeah. Heard that yet? Yeah. That's what the media is so, calling him. Yeah, I don't want to get off subject here, but I because I rarely watch TV. I happened to turn it on last night before I went to my Amazon or Netflix show, and they were interviewing him on. I think it was Broncos Huddle, maybe even or or some yeah, some stream yeah. of Broncos stuff. Right? Mm-hmm. Did you know? Right now, as we speak, he owns a place in California. He's built his own football field to practice on. It is solely his field. It already has the Denver Broncos emblem in it. Awesome. He flew out 
the center that's going to snap him the ball and all of his receivers that he's going to throw to. Wow. They've practiced all week already. Wow. Is that That's cool. Is that world class? Wow. That is world class. You know, I could see the receivers and and I'm like, I totally get it, the receivers. But I'm like, is the center really that big a deal? You know, in in that interview, well it wasn't even an interview. It was just, you know, a couple sports guys talking about Russell Wilson, right? And they they even had some video clips, right? And they were speaking to the fact that, you know, depending on which way the the play goes, whether it's to the left or to the right, that center will snap the ball to the quarterback that direction so he can help start moving that direction. So he snaps the ball to Russell's left. If he's going to the left, he snaps it to the right. If he's going to the right and... You know, little details that I was like, wow, all of those little details matter. And that is like us, right? Mm -hmm. All of those little details make us better. It make us more polished and whatnot. So Mm -hmm. I was, I was, I was impressed by one. And then number two, I I related it like, wow, those are, you know, our dumping procedures. Those Mm -hmm. are our break check procedures. That's just a lot of that stuff being... They're being proactive. See, it's in the details. It is. The devil's in the details. Yeah. A phrase has been coined. We JFW'd it. We JFW'd it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. We took, nice. You know, we took something that other people do, and then we JFW'd it. We yeah. made it better. I like Ooh, it. Yeah. He doesn't remember. <laughs> He's at this table. Brother, da- <laughs> Brother Davis said, huh. you know, I mean, we'll, we'll be doing something with people who haven't done anything with us yet <laughs> and then they get you know to the experience of how we do things and we're like yeah well we just jfw did so uh, welcome do you money. believe me when i tell you I'm, i've got an appointment saturday to get a jfw tattoo no <laughs> but we can make that happen <laughs> jim also thought it would be a really good idea if we introduced ourselves to people that are new that haven't been around and let them know what we do here so, Super Dave, what do you do around here? Man, um, over the years, I've done everything. Um, but with our growth and um, the number of trucks we have running every day, uh, it's pretty much a full-time job to keep drivers in those trucks. So I'm almost entirely consumed with calling and interviewing and hiring and putting the the training um, paperwork together um, and getting them onboarded and off to a good start here at JFW. And you do really well at that. Yeah. And I think you do a lot more than that. Yeah. Dude. That was a pretty fast yeah, version. Right. Yeah. He's consumed <laughs> with that stuff until something else comes Absolutely, up. And then he's consumed yeah. with that. So, yeah. Brother Dave, what, what do you do? Uh, my name is Brother <laughs> Dave White. I'm obviously Brother Dave and Super Dave. We have the Dave office that we share together, so you can't can't come in and ask for a Dave and not get a, a reply, right? Whether you know which one you're asking for or not. Dave so, squared. Yeah, Dave squared. There you go. There you go. Uh, I'm one of the owners here with with Jim White, and uh, family member. Done this since 1987. Uh, yeah, basically just try and help out with anything that's needed. We try and guide our business and and people and and every day we just strive to be better it doesn't matter what that is you know if if uh we can take anything and make it better like jfw said we jfw'd it i i I like that i mean he he says i said that but i don't remember it but yeah that's that's what we do i mean anything we can take and make better 
We try and do that. It doesn't matter whether it's a piece of equipment, a driver, a job site, a customer. It doesn't matter. We, yeah. we try and make everything better. That's how we get better. That's how we are better. That's how we've gotten to where we're at. So I'm, I'm proud of that. I know Jim is. You know, I, I get the pleasure. I've gotten to work with my family my whole life. Right. You know, mom and dad and, and Jim. And, I mean, we're kind of right brain, left brain. And uh, it's kind of funny. We can show up at a job site together, hop in two different pieces of equipment, and assist each other cleaning instead of one just sitting there going, well, I wonder what he's doing. We just naturally work together because we've worked together well so long. So it's right. it's kind of funny. It's yeah. it's neat. I, I'm, it's very cool. I'm very thankful for that. Yep. Jesse, we are going to get into all that you do. Uh, but until we get there, my name is Jan Backus. My main job is to tell dad jokes on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because I was talking to Jim last week. Everybody that that works here on the leadership team, we all uh, generalists as sorts. I know you weren't included in that conversation, Dave, but to me that sounds kind of like lame. Oh, you're a generalist, but really we all do so much. You know, for me, I could do anything from helping clean up a fuel spill to, you know, helping a mechanic with a change of tire. Uh, my official title is team development, which I'm not even really sure what that means anymore, but <laughs> I got my hands in people operations, which is developing, training, retaining. Uh, I manage bamboo. I love to implement new programs around here. Uh, I'm pretty excited about the Samsara project coming up, do accidents, investigations, and it just really depends. We all have to do to be able to do everything around here. So, you know, what do we do? It's more about what, what don't we do or what haven't we done yet. Another gym idea was to go back and pick one thing out of each of the previous 22 podcasts that we like, but I was just consumed with other things this week to go back and pick one out. But I do remember Joanne, when she was on, um, Amanda wrote that letter, and what really touched me is the way Joanne would speak affirmations to Amanda when she was getting her ready for school. So I've been trying to do it, do that with Bellamar. Oh, very and, cool. You know, every morning I kiss her and I tell her, Daddy loves you. One thing I've been telling her is, you're one of a kind. Remember, you don't have to be like anybody else. So the other day I tell her, the sky's the limit. And she got all upset. I'm like, what's wrong, Bella? She's like, I want to be an astronaut. Very <laughs> cool. <laughs> da, da, da. And the dad jokes begin. <laughs> <laughs> It's time for the dad joke challenge. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Man, you just suckered me in on that one. I thought, Bella, you are a genius. You're a budding genius to come up with that. Yeah, I don't know how you do it, John. <laughs> well, Jesse, you actually have a shot to do it right now. I mean... Lay your I dad joke on us. I don't got a dad joke. But I do have a cow joke, John, since I do a lot of <laughs> <laughs> since I do a lot of cores and I see a lot of cows, so So it's time for the cow joke challenge. Um, well, where did the cow spend his money? Where did the cow spend his money, Jesse? At the casino. Oh, <laughs> that's good, Jeff. Not bad for a beginner. I like it. Good job. Oh, man. All right. I'll just follow that one up because mine's, mine's along those lines. Do you guys know why the man fell down the well? No. No. Because he didn't see that well. 
Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, man. So, man. Super Dave's been bragging before you got here. He's like, I got the best really? challenge ever, so this better be a banger Super Man, Dave. when he brags, he better bring the heat. Huh. I'll tell you. <laughs> I was watching the Oscars the other night. I think everybody was watched that little fight they had go on there and everything. But I noticed Steven Spielberg in the, in the audience and uh, got me to thinking, what's E.T. short for? <laughs> well, when that movie came out, I can tell you what we used to call <laughs> what that stood for, but <laughs> because he's only got little legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> I still don't get it. I still don't get yeah. it either. Wait, I'm what, pretty slow at things. But wait, what's he stand for? E.T. short for. Oh, I thought you said stand oh, for. Because he's, he's got little legs. Gotcha. <laughs> and I know you're sitting here thinking extra ter- extraterrestrial. Right. No. It's because he's got little legs. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, oh, that's crazy, Dave. That is some funny shit. You know, you bring up Will Smith, Chris Rock thing, but hey, when fuel's almost seven bucks a gallon, somebody needs to get smacked. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Now, there's a phrase I've coined. I'm going to Will Smith him or something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That guy better watch out. I'm yeah. going to Will Smith him. I'm sure everybody's saying Man, that. Man, that came quick. Yeah. New drivers, we want to welcome Tanny to the fleet and also Jesse Gustin. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. aboard, you guys. And pretty uh, pretty awesome. Josh Brown now has his daughter, Lexi, working in the watch base. So let's welcome Lexi Brown as well. Ah, oh, very cool. Welcome, Lexi. Celebrations for birthdays this week. We got Emerald Vigil, Ricky DeLeon, and Dan Hawk. Ooh, happy birthday, people. And then anniversaries, we got some big ones. We got Josh James with five years and Dustin Romero with six years. Right on, guys. And Richard, and Richard Brown with seven years. Yeah, that is, yeah. Just, that is awesome. awesome. That's awesome. Good stuff. So you guys know we've all been doing the uh, family celebrations, which has been really great. We got some feedback from some of the family members of our of our employees here. Do do people really know we're doing that, Jim? I, I th- mean, I think they're learning. <laughs> I know we've got some feedback from the people that have received things, but mm-hmm. I don't know if everybody really knows we're doing that. Well, let's tell them about it. <laughs> well, you, you're pretty well spoken when it comes to that. Why don't you? <laughs> okay. Why don't you lay it out there? So one program that uh, the steering committee came up with, and actually Paco, when he was on, he said we should do something for family members to make them feel involved. Right. And we were actually in discussions that very week about it. So he drove that point home. Didn't he? Yeah. yeah, he did, and yeah. his wife was super appreciative when right. when she got a gift. So what we implemented is we are now celebrating birthdays of your family members. So if your wife or child under the age of 18 years old if you got a 40 year old living in the basement <laughs> we're not buying them anything uh if you got a child underneath the age of 18 or your wife or your significant other yeah. right, you don't necessarily have to be married we are now celebrating their birthday by sending them a gift card or depending depending on their age a gift for the for the young ones so and it's been a big hit and are we doing something jam on the anniversary date as well so on the work anniversary, we're also sending the spouse yes. a gift as well. Yeah. Yeah. For putting very up cool. with us. Yep. That is very cool. Yeah. We've had a fair amount of feedback from, from spouses and, <clears throat> you know, even Ryan's daughter wrote us a thank you card. He yep. said, you know, he was so excited to get home and celebrate her birthday that, you know, he brought her a, bought her a card and 
flowers and he got home and he was so excited to give it to her and he gave it to her and she's like but look at this dad i I have mail from your work and he's like well open it up you know and she had a i I could be wrong i don't want to speak out of turn i'm assuming she had a gift card in there Ah. an amazon gift card and you know a a thank you from from jfw and happy birthday wishes and she was so excited, Ryan was like, man, my, my flowers and cards didn't mean anything. <laughs> I was worried about that. Yeah. You know, like, what if we send a wife a birthday card and the husband forgot? Or vice versa, right. what if we send the husband a card yeah. and True. the wife forgot? True. So, uh, some of the feedback we did get, one was from Tammy Hogue, that's Randy and uh, Dispatch's wife. She said, good morning, this is Tammy, Randy's wife. I want to tell you all, thank you so much for the Amazon gift card. In celebration of Randy's JFW anniversary, that was a kind gesture. And there was a little bit of a um, oh, scandal going on there because I think Randy originally took the gift card. <laughs> <laughs> he, he saw it was from JFW. He's like, wait a minute, that's for me. And she goes, no, 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 no. no. But I, I bet she toes a tight line with Randy. Oh, yeah, she's she's got to keep him in check. Oh, yeah. no <laughs> he doubt. might have a bad knee, but I bet he gets pretty rambunctious. Huh. She probably keeps him <laughs> right in line. And then Shia, Ryan's daughter, did write, and this was a handwritten letter, too, right. which was so cool. Very, oh, very, very cool. Yeah, I got to encourage my daughter to do that. Handwritten notes are a lost mark. Man, they it's really amazing. are. She wrote, I appreciate you guys for thinking of me, and thank you so much for sending me a birthday gift. It really made me smile. Also, thank you for treating my dad like he is family. He really likes you guys and loves the company. Thank you guys again. I hope you have a good day. So thank you both, Tammy and Shia, for you know, sending those thank you cards. Yeah, and how us. old was Shia? That I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, she was, I think, like, between 8 and 12, Dave, mm-hmm. right, right right around there, yeah, if I'm I'd not say mistaken. That's fair. I, I could be wrong on that, but that was the impression I got. I, th- I think she's been here before with him. She's ridden with him. I'm almost positive he's brought her in. I'm so. pretty sure he has, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and thank you, Ryan, for being a rock star, man. Thank you for yeah. allowing us to do this for your family. Yeah, and raising good kids. Yeah, right Clearly. on. Yeah. Shout-outs. Tammy Hogoso the same day uh, gave Jack and 0047 a shout out. And she wrote, I observed a super shiny dump trailer with a red tarp enter Pena Boulevard in front of me. And the first thing I thought was, that must be a JFW truck because it's so beautiful and shiny. I watched the driver all the way here to where he exited off Pena and want to share. I was truly impressed with his cautious, courteous driving. Specifically, I observed that he drove the speed limit, stayed in the slow lane instead of darting back and forth between lanes, kept a very safe distance from the car in front of him, and a few other noticeable and commendable driving features. So, nice job, Jack. Yeah, man. Jack Jack is one of our rock stars. He just here every day, busting it. I mean, he is... He is a sterling example of what a great driver is made of. Yeah. You know, and we just appreciate the fact of all the effort that he puts into it. He he makes it look easy. You know, we have have those that it is no effort to do their job. And mm-hmm. there's others that they really work their butt off to be as good as, as Jack is. Right. You know, and it's it's complimentary for both. You see a guy who's struggling and is working on being that good, and then you see... It just looks natural for Jack. He right. just makes it look effortless. And with all that, he keeps his truck so clean, I think you could eat off the floor. Yeah, yep. yeah. If Tammy Spotless. was impressed with the outside, Spotless. she would have flipped out on the inside, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you, Jack. What a 
What a sterling example of, of a JFW representation. Yeah, he um, actually called me up freaking about his trailer being so dirty with all the snow that's <laughs> happening. <laughs> and he had to come to me because, you know, I keep my truck clean and stuff. Yeah. And he was just saying, like, how can I keep it clean like you? And, yeah, and I told him, I mean, you just got to keep washing it off and take it to Blue Beacon. That citrus squeeze stuff will clean it off and don't worry about it. And he he did that, and, and he, he was happy about it. Yeah, that's cool. No, that's but very cool. Jack What's is a cool the guy. chemical? You just citrus. Citru, yeah, citrus squeeze or citrus. Um, Must be citrus squeeze. Yeah, citrus yeah. squeeze. Yeah. That. Yeah. And hmm. that actually takes the maglo right off. Cleans up the. It cleans um, it pretty good, especially on the chrome. Corrosion on on the aluminum. Yeah. So basically, we need to eat a bunch of oranges, Jesse, and then just rub the trailer yeah, with some orange peels, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's literally <laughs> like that. And if you don't brush your trailer, it won't. Um, look at look good at all. Yeah. So they have to scrub it down and make it look good. Gotcha. Yeah. The cool thing about Jack too is when he gets out of his truck, he's as clean as his truck. Oh yeah. <laughs> when I was end up in, I come back. I look like I was <laughs> right. in a mud wrestling competition. You know, Jack Jack squared away. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he's gonna. I don't know. You still he's, might have him beat Jesse. Yeah, he's probably gonna have a competition. Yeah, I'll put my money on you with the whole Adam Polishes thing you got going on. Yeah, he was wondering about how to get that stuff, too. Tell him to use Armor All. Don't give him any secrets. Probably won't. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, Martinez, a.k.a. Big Tone, Chimichanga, he wanted to give Johnny Beret a shout-out. Johnny ran his truck Saturday, uh, ran some cores loads, brought it back better than he got it, and topped off all his fluids, so... Good job, Johnny, because that is truly a struggle. We have other people using your truck. It just seems like it's always an issue. So when we hear things like this, it's just really nice. Yeah. So good job, Johnny. Another stud. Yeah, it should be a standing rule around here. You know, leave it better than you found it. Yep. You know, that's that should just be a thing. Leave it better than you found it. So, Johnny, thank you, man. That's awesome. And that means a lot coming from from. Martinez too. I mean, yeah. you know that's that's pretty special to get a comment like that. So thank both of you guys. Yeah, you guys out there. I know these shoutouts may not seem like that big of a deal, but you know somebody does something for you and you just recognize that 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 makes them feel good. Right. Like, okay. You know what? I did spend a lot of time trying to make that truck look better than when I got it, and it would be nice to be appreciated. Johnny Beret, he probably didn't do it for recognition, but give each other shoutouts. This is a great platform for your co-workers to get some recognition. Yeah, I I don't want to say I specifically know Johnny Bray, but I know I've been around him enough. He's going to do the right thing no matter what, no matter yeah. who's looking. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I ran into him last year when we had all those problems with all the DPF filters because we had the bad fuel that, you know, we just had a few loads that got screwed up over at Choco, right? And we had to have all those DPF filters cleaned and, it was so funny. I was trying to do an investigation, and I was over at, at Shoko working through it. And Johnny showed up, and he ran. All he did was deliver a preloaded truck. Huh. And on the way home, because it was in route, he swung into Shoko. He fueled it. It was so funny because I was kind of snooping around, looking around a bunch of stuff. And, uh, you know, he assisted me through that process. Then several hours later, I'm here at our main yard, and I'm out at our fuel system doing some stuff. 
Johnny pulls in in another truck. He fuels it. Nice. So, I mean, he just, he's above and beyond. You know, that I mean, is. he's that guy. All right, let's move into the discussion of the podcast. <clears throat> First item on the list is hours of service and the short haul exception. Okay. There's just a lot of questions on how many hours we could work and how we should run that. Okay. If you're not going out of town, you're under the short haul exception. And to review those regulations, the criteria is, one, you start and stop in the same place every day. Two, you don't drive outside the 150 air miles, which I think works out to 172 I think you are spot miles. on, Jim. I was going to say 171. No, no arguing with 172. Yep. You have a 10-hour rest in between shifts. You don't work over 14 hours. And you don't work over a 14-hour day. Exactly. So those are the rules. So what do you do when you're at nine hours, right? You go get another load. You know, <laughs> we had this come up, you know, hey, I'm trying to save time for Saturday. And good for you. Good, good way to make sure you have enough time to work on Saturday. But we're going to work those 14 hours. We don't want to go over that, those guys. Okay. Uh, another thing came up. And, with the, And not to interrupt you, Jim, but that's a rarity. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. that, that is truly a rarity. You were on a very unique haul or you started extremely early that day or right. you know what I mean? A fourteen yeah. hour day is Yeah. If you started at five, you'd have to be at seven PM. Yeah. Everything yeah. closes at four right yeah. now. Like it's I mean, we're almost always between that nine and twelve hour range. Right. You know, and it it depends on your work ethic. Yep. You may be the guy that's pushing twelve hours every day or a touch above. And you could be the guy that's just over nine hours every day. I mean yep. it totally depends on, on on your work ethic. Yep. And no more than 70 hours. And no more than 70 hours in an eight-day work week. Very good, yep. Jesse. You're yep. paying attention. I like that. Yep. Good deal. <laughs> uh, another thing Jim brought up was the hardwires. Somebody want to attack that, why we have hardwires? Yeah, if that was the question of why we have the hardwires, mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of a two-fold answer. And I guess what I mean by that is, number one, it helps dispatch out greatly because they can, like say on average, I think we have about 30 trucks hardwired every day. Those are just trucks dispatch does not have to dispatch for the week. That, that dispatch is automatically done. You're on that haul for the week. The second part of that is some of the drivers love that. They've asked for those hardwires. They just want to run that, that pit to that plant, and that's what they want to do every day. So that's twofold. It really saves dispatch a ton of time, and it helps that driver. So that was kind of the purpose of that. I mean, people may not realize how time-consuming that is. When you can take 30 trucks off of the load of dispatch, mm -hmm. having to complete dispatch on a daily basis, that's huge. So big benefit there for, for the hours that dispatch puts in setting that stuff up. Absolutely. Super Dave, you want to explain to everybody why we have spare drivers and what would happen without them? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's actually a really great idea. Um at first, I thought it would be kind of an issue because drivers want to be assigned a truck. Um, and then I explained to them the PTO and how we allow up to seven people off on any given day, and you can earn up to 12 days of paid time off in your first year, and we encourage you to use that paid time off. In addition to the six paid holidays. In addition for, to the holidays, For a combination absolutely. of 18 paid days off a year. <clears throat> <laughs> but to to accommodate all those folks taking time off and going camping or going skiing or whatever, 
we, we still need to have those trucks running. So we need to have drivers in those trucks, um, even when the assigned driver is, is using PTO. So uh, the way it works here at JFW is when you get hired on, um, and this is something that we've only been able to do in the past uh, five or five years or so, all of our trucks in the old days were very different. They were 18 speeds, they were 15 overs, they were 15 directs, they were hooded trucks with extended wheelbases and we really couldn't afford to have a rookie driving a truck that had 355 rear ends and a 15 over transmission. But nowadays all of our trucks are very uh, similar, not exactly the same, but um, very, very, very close. So the the controls are the same, the gearing is the same, the wheelbases are the, are the same, the trailers are the same. So we can go ahead and hire a driver on and say, okay, bud, you know, you are going to be a slipsy driver until the next truck opens up and in an order of your hire date, you will be assigned that particular truck that's opening for you. Um, and that way we try to keep a few extra drivers on board so we do have those trucks running even when the assigned driver is on vacation. Excellent. I'm going to put some numbers to it. So all of our trucks, we would like to earn an average of a thousand bucks a day. I'd like to say a minimum, but let's say a truck earns a thousand bucks a day. We have seven drivers off for PTO in that day, and let's say five guys called out. Okay, what's that? Twelve. Twelve trucks. Okay, my math is a little off. So that's $12,000 sitting in the yard a day. There's 22 days in an average work month. That's $264,000 in a month. That would be $3.1 million in a year to have trucks sit with no spare drivers. So that's why we do it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, in those, <clears throat> we've ran into issues where, you know, someone doesn't want to be a spare driver or a driver doesn't want a spare driver in their truck but they like the benefits that we have. Right. You know, they, they like the PTO, they like the health insurance, they like the paid di paid days off, the paid holidays, those those things. That is the reason, Jim, the numbers you just ran, it's imperative our vehicles run every day. Yep. Imperative. You know, that's the reason the shop works so hard to keep them up and running. That's the reason we try and keep them updated to be within five-year-old trucks. Everything in our, our power we try and do, you know, and, and make it better. We have 96 trucks that have to take care of the customer. We don't have 96 trucks running to only have 80 trucks running. <laughs> right. We wouldn't be able to take care of the customer's right. needs. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. But what would be great is if you are a spare driver or if you're using somebody's truck for the day, just please put it back the way you got it, if not better. Jesse, you keep an extremely clean truck. Have you had any issues when you go on vacation and you come back? Yeah, sometimes I do, but lately, you know, they've kept it clean, and I appreciate that a lot. Nice. Yeah. Do you leave any notes in there, Jesse? Warning, no, I don't. Them? I know I don't, but they know that <laughs> <laughs> that when they start bringing a clean truck, yeah. you know, obviously. Yeah. Because they, <clears throat> he threatens them. No, I don't. <laughs> I mean, I've gotten in, gotten in trucks where drivers have been gone, and they're like, hey, don't let a driver smoke. Don't smoke in this truck. Yeah. You know, they try and tell dispatch they're a non-smoker, and yep. they don't want a driver smoking in their truck. I, I respect that. That that means the world to me. You know, please keep leave the truck the way you found it. You know, I've yep. seen all sorts of different notes. I've seen some good ones, and I've, I've seen some not-so-good ones. Yeah. But, I'll kick but your there's ass. A, yeah, there's a point <laughs> behind it, right? Because... Right. That person has busted their butt to get the truck nice and clean, right. and you know, I don't want to say someone could destroy it in a week, but 
to them how they keep it versus how that person took care of it for a week, it is destroyed, right? Can yeah. rock their world for a day to get it cleaned back up. When you go into Jesse's truck and there's a rack of cleaning supplies in there, that's probably a good, pretty good indication that yeah. you need to keep it clean. It's impressive. That's your office, right, Jesse? Literally. You're in it 12 hours a day. Every man. day. And you want to sit in a crappy, stinky, no. smoky office or, I, or a nice I place? I hate to smell my own self, so <laughs> I have to have air fresheners yeah. going off. Just huh. yeah. yeah, just literally keeping it clean. That's cool. Joanne wanted to make a note on uh, tickets, guys. Just a reminder, please enter your tickets and scan them in. That's still uh, not happening 100%. So quicker we do that, quicker we could get rid of some of the paper. Agreed. Hi, Jesse. Uh, we wanted to have you on here today, number one, to talk about your love life, and number two, to give you an opportunity to confess your sins to the Channel 23 listeners. Are you talking about my love life That's with trucking? Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got a good love life with trucking. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You do. You are, you bleed trucking right now. So, but before we jump into that, Jesse, let us know what are some of the things you like to do outside of work. Currently, well, on the last episode, you guys already know that I've been going to gym. So, that's what I do after work. Go to gym right away. Do that. I also do gaming. On the side, you know, just something to do. And going out to car meets, I also like looking at cars, muscles. It could be Jetty M, um, pretty much anything cool. car-related. Are you a soldier on the Call of Duty? No, but I feel like it when I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a model on Instagram? No. No? For those listeners that don't know what JDM is, can you... Can you explain that? Japanese, Jesse? domestic, um, I forgot the other one, JDM. I can't remember what the M stands for either. I just wanted to be sure you laid it out there. Yeah, I know it's just Japanese. It's just like a Japanese yeah. make and model. Um, cause AKA I got, grinders. Yeah. Well, I got a Subaru <laughs> BRZ, and oh. that's a Japanese car. All right. And, yeah, that's. I don't know what M stands for, so I got to look that Machine. up. Machine, maybe. Probably. I'll look it up. I'm looking up right now. I'm sure there's listeners out there going, <laughs> Japanese domestic market. Market. Uh, gotcha. Market. Yeah. 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 And that's where you got the name Antagonizer. Uh, yeah, that was that was a, a car club name back in the day. Um, gotcha. But it never really got big, so I, I took it off. What about the shuffle meetups? Are you doing any of those? <laughs> no, no, I don't. <laughs> Not anymore? Not anymore. Just friends come together and we we get along and share our dance moves and stuff. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. I would love to be able to post your YouTube video so people yeah. could check you out. I mean, if you want, you can put it out there. Put it on bamboo? Yeah. All right, man. That's something to be proud of. You got the moves. What were you doing before you came over here to JFW? My first year, I started with Schneider. And did that for one year, and I did Rocky Mountain doubles in that. Oh, wow. And I would do dedicated route from here to New Mexico, or Vaughn, New Mexico. Okay. Yeah. And just would be driving with another driver. And I didn't like that, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I would rather drive alone. Right. Yeah. (laughs) We get it. 
and then before the you whole, go on to that, what how'd you like driving a Rocky Mountain Doubles though? Was that it's it's pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty large. Yeah. And but it's not fun when there's high winds, especially down mm-hmm. by like Raton mm-hmm. area or Oh Mount Marco One in New Mexico. That's where usually high winds mm. happen, like um, Wassenberg. Okay. Yeah, we get a lot of high winds, and your pup trailer <laughs> keeps moving around like crazy. So. Sure. And I'm always coming back empty too. Mm. And he would, and my other driver would drive loaded going to New Mexico. So. Gotcha. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I didn't know you did that. And then where'd you go after Schneider? And then after Schneider, the whole contract with Schneider ended. So we had I had to look for another job, and which which was YRC Freight. Mm. And so I did that. YRC Freight. Oh, YRC Yellow. Yeah, <coughs> yeah the Yellow, yellow Roadways Company. Yeah. I got you. All right. Yeah, YRC Freight doing doubles, no triples, just doubles from here to. Salt Lake City all the time, and I didn't like it because it was a line haul division, and especially I was a on-call or extra board driver, mm. which which they will call you whenever they need you. Right. And you have to earn your spot to mm-hmm. get that seniority and get, you know, dedicated routes so you can work all the time. How long did you do that? Did that for like a couple months, and then I didn't like it. I went over to... Um, UPS Freight, and I liked that one better because I was home every day. Okay. And same same thing, line haul division, but I didn't like the fact that it was an on-call mm-hmm. stuff too. And then later on, yeah, the contract ended, and so I had to look for another job. And then I seen red trucks everywhere, <laughs> and that's how I got into it. And then especially my uncle brought it up too, and so... I, then I played here. You have trucking in your blood. What makes you so passionate about trucking? I grew up in trucking because of my uncles. Um, they've been driving for almost more than 10 years. A million driver, a million mile drivers too. Wow. And I've always ri- ride along with them and I would be pointing out trucks here and there and which was the W900s or Peter Belts, right, 379s, all that. I'll be like, what are those to my uncle? And he would be telling me. And that's how I was like seven or eight years old. But ever since then, I've always wanted to. Now here I am doing trucking. Yeah. Yep. Are your uncles currently trucking? Are they? Yeah, they're currently owner-operators, both of them. Mm-hmm. They work for Rich transportation hauling king super grocery okay and they do different types of route but mostly durango routes gotcha did they keep their truck super clean no 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 <laughs> not like me they do not care about that they're more of the fuel economy side gotcha. so they have a freightliner quesadillas and yeah they don't like box trucks or anything like that gotcha why is it so important for you to keep your truck so clean? I mean, you drive that truck every day. Like, it's your office. It makes you feel good being in a clean truck. Also, I get a lot of compliments, and that honestly makes me feel 
good and proud of myself for just keeping it clean and it just shows other drivers that you send out out of different companies out there i just you know want to be super bright and shiny everywhere where i go it's just i don't know i got that um what do you call it a clean freak type of thing yeah 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 so i just want other drivers to recognize me more you know well you're doing a good job at it jesse and we recognize you here. Everybody knows who's got the cleanest truck in the fleet, and I put my money on Jesse. <laughs> but it's funny, and I talked to you about coming on to the podcast a while ago, probably two or three months ago, two months ago, let's say, and I wanted to talk about your <clears throat> career here in the beginning, what happened and where you're at now, because right now, Jesse, you're a go-to guy. We could send you anywhere. You could do anything. You're trusted. You're a safe driver. Like, we, we love having you here. But you did have a rear-end accident. I don't have the date, Super Dave. Do you remember? Was that 2019? It's probably 2019. It's probably 2019. Yeah. You rear-ended another big truck. Right. And it was it was a significant accident. Yeah. Like it, was, it was pretty bad. Nobody got hurt. But there was, yeah. a, lot, there was yeah. a lot of property damage. And uh, I recall... And everybody, Jesse gave me permission to talk about this, so I don't want you to think I'm throwing him under the bus. I recall um, me and Brother Dave, were you in that meeting, Super Dave? I was. The three of us, we were pretty much going to terminate you, depending on your reaction and if you took ownership and if you understood, like, how bad the accident was and that was your fault. And I remember Brother Dave always brings up that you walked in the office, JFW hat, JFW shirt, just like loud and proud to be part of this company. And uh, we sat down and we talked to you. And I think initially there was a little bit of it just happened type of attitude. But by the end of the meeting, I think we were all in agreement that you were somebody we wanted to keep. Clearly, it's probably one of the best decisions we made in that moment to keep Jesse. Oh, hands down. Yeah, I'm so proud of you, Jesse, for taking a a moment you know you you had a situation where you got knocked down and took the opportunity to to get back up and stand and fight another day and learn from that mistake and move forward and that's that's how we all have our great successes in life is based upon a failure if you never ever live your life and have a failure you can't be successful people that have failed are successful people you know when you read anything about What's Michael Jordan say? He's missed, what, like 20,000 shots? Yeah, You know, but he's only made like 100 that have won games. You know, but he's missed 20,000 shots. So, you know, that's just an example of getting knocked down every day, but you get back up. And that's what I feel that we do here every day at JFW. I mean, geez, if Jim and I didn't get back up every time we got knocked down, oh, my gosh, we would not be here today. You know, but that's what makes you greater. That's what makes you learn and go, I won't do that again. And, you know, I think sometimes it opens your eyes to see other instances around you that you learn from their mistake. You know, you did, you, your eyes have been, and I don't mean you specifically, Jesse, I mean everyone in general, right? right? When you see something go on and you're like, ah, I didn't know that would happen. Or you have that aha moment because, you know, someone else got knocked down, right? And you think, ah, I just learned not to do that. You know, and you learn, to me, that's when that's when you really become successful. And 
I don't want to say powerful, that's not the right word, but just successful in your life, in your life's endeavors, your career, your family, all of that. You know, when you see other things and you can identify them that other people are or aren't doing and make those changes so you're more successful in, in both both sides of your life. So I thank you. It's impressed me. You know, one of the one of the best, I don't want to use the word saves, but you know, one of the best instances that we've had an outcome with. So thank you for that, Jesse. Yeah, definitely. A, I'm going to call it a comeback story just because the way we viewed that accident uh, compared to how we ju- view Jesse today is a big change. Jesse, tell us, so that day you had that accident, what have you changed since then to make sure that doesn't happen again? What did you learn from that? <clears throat> so I just want to start off with... Um, that I wanted to talk about this and get it across to everybody, especially new drivers. Um, that day, I, you know, I regret it. Everything what I did that day. I mean, it's my mindset on that day was I gotta get more loads. I was hauling ass, and then not recognizing the safety cautions that was happening, what were that was about to happen in front of me when a truck got him turn uh merge over to my lane and suddenly stopped in front of me and and that's how that's how I re- rear-ended him with no reaction time and then I was fully loaded and also I was overweight with 84,000 pounds and and luckily I lucked out um it was in a state trooper that was there to re- um to report the accident and stuff um it was a city cop and he didn't know about my weights so I would have gotten a bigger ticket mm-hmm. if there was a state trooper. Yeah. But all that, I regret it and wanted to talk about that. I changed a lot ever since that day, which was, you know, loading legal every time. Less than 80000 on the interstate, no matter what. Gave so much space in front of me between traffic and there. Pretty much stay right lane all the time as much as I can following speed limits as well um I I mean I did everything that I could to change my ways and 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 honestly it did and then I also like the fact that Jam you and I we went out on a cruise to talk about safety like space and stuff um you show me how this the about the space cushion mm-hmm of what's the traffic around me. Yeah. And I like the fact that you had all this traffic in front of you. If you're going just slower than the speed limit and just kicking it on the right lane or middle lane, doesn't matter which lane on a highway or three-lane highway, you got all this traffic in front of you and then all this traffic behind you, and then you're just, you know, alone in the middle mm-hmm. with nobody around, and, and that's how you're more safer and then you have more reaction time, and that's how you taught me. And I've used that technique, and it's I've always, you know, taught myself how to be better every day. I love that. I love that. That's Absolutely. awesome. And what Jesse's referring to, and we'll get right back to you, is space cushion driving, guys. So cars like to travel in packs, and if you ever kick back in your Cadillac, and and you have a, you know, a few cars ahead of you. You'll watch those cars just bunch up into a pack, and they travel that way, okay? And if you leave some good following distance there, every once in a while you get into a situation, you look behind you in your mirrors, 
there's a pack of cars behind you and there's a pack of cars in front of you and you're just cruising right in the middle all by yourself. Something happens in the pack in front of you, those cars are all tangled up. You're not involved. The pack of cars behind you, same thing. Eventually, that pack running behind you is going to catch the pack in front of you. So it, it's a constant battle, but that's something that's helped me in my driving, Jesse. And to hear you bring that back up, that, that means a lot because that yeah. does make you a safer driver. I got a question for you, Jesse, when, you know, just because I've witnessed you on the road since that, right? And I, what you just said is how you drive. I, I, I'm bought in. You don't have to convince me. What are your thoughts when you're just cruising up I-25, say, for example, going to Firestone, and you're in the right lane or the middle lane, and somebody just blows by you and blows your doors off in the fast lane, and you watch them do seven lane changes on their way up I-25, and you pull in the pit, and you're sitting right behind them to load. What, what do you think? Oh, you're talking about truck drivers, passengers. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, what... Do you have a description for that, or or do you have any thoughts on that, or uh, that, did anybody benefit from that? That right there, you will not get anything out of it because I'm still going to get the same load as much as you did when you passed me. You risk more hazard stuff coming out your way. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. Probably a car is trying to pass you and cut you off, and you're involved in that. And if you just sit back and relax and just make it to the pit, everything will go smoothly versus a truck just trying to pass you and it's like go, go, go. And that right there, it will. That, that's the type of mindset that I had when I got into an accident. And it won't come now, but it will come to you later. And I don't know, I just don't like that at all when trucks be passing you for no reason. Do you think what, what you're saying, Jesse, is the costs outweigh the benefits. Yeah. So the cost that an accident would have would be way more than just trying to sneak in an extra load. Yeah, exactly. and I think what Jesse's saying is you might you might get to the yard 15 minutes after that guy or right. gal, but you're relaxed, you're chilled out, you had an easy day, and that person is probably exhausted, took, took their percentage of being in an accident and probably doubled it by changing lanes constantly yeah. or following too close constantly or pushing that hard constantly versus just being relaxed. You're, you're going to get there. I mean, the, the you know, we I, talk about the people that have sped down Floyd Hill going to Fry's Quarry, right? And it's like, oh, my gosh, you saved six seconds. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you risked a massive speeding ticket if a state patrolman was down there. You risked being in the left lane. You risked all of this to your your professional driver's license for six seconds. So wait a second. You're telling me you don't have to pass people recklessly on the highway. You don't have to haul overweight. And you could still be a top producer at JFW like you are, Jesse? Exactly. If you really put that um you guys stay committed mm-hmm. of coming in here early and and you know and you you still can get that late load and you can mm-hmm. that extra weight on you is like what three bucks four bucks more depends where you're going yep. yeah i mean it's not even worth it versus well what i was involved with in, and it was like what more than twenty five thousand dollars or in damage that was I looked or ten thousand no it was over twenty thousand dollars yeah yeah 
Yeah, I looked it up. Because I remember you talked about that trailer needing needing to be changed from the nose of the trailer to the back of the trailer because that one frame piece was all one piece. Yeah, it was a, it had it it was not only cosmetic but there was structural yeah, damage right. as well. So yeah. So yeah, that overweight stuff, man. Just keep it well under eighty thousand. It's gonna save you a lot. It's gonna make you look better. The extra four dollars not gonna do anything better. I mean, yeah, a couple bucks, but now when you have Lightning McQueen sitting on a ramp and then <laughs> get you out of nowhere. Lightning McQueen meaning Denver Cup that pulls or DOT certified and that will pull you over and yeah. check your weight. And I don't want to be involved in, in that whatsoever right. at all. Plus, peace of mind. Yeah. You could be more relaxed knowing you're legal. You don't have to stare at the bumper in front of the car in front of you worrying about when he's going to stop. The whole thing is just better. Efficiency and consistency, and that's what you are, Jesse. Yeah, yeah I want to give him a shout-out. You know, as we're sitting here talking, we've had so many incidents at the port out there in Fort Morgan with clearing that port overweight, running out of Coors. And I know Jesse makes an effort to, when he loads at Coors, to be not only legal weight-wise, gross weight, but acts illegal as well, and makes a point to go through the port. And I know he's one of the guys we actually, and Jesse, you could probably correct the story here so I don't massacre it, but I think at one point you got out there and when you weighed across the port, they red-lighted you and said, hey, you were over on your axles, and you were like, no, I, I don't think I'm over on my axles. Can I re-weigh? Yeah. And they let you re-weigh, correct? And they were like, oh, we misread it, or sorry we were wrong, or... What, what was the scenario there, Jesse? What did they? How did that story go? <clears throat> so port was open, so I obviously had to pull in. Um, went in, rolled through. First axle was good. Oh, actually, he was. First axle was good, and then by the time I got to the drive axle, they made me stop, and because he he knew that I was over like thirty six on his display there, uh-huh. and so I mean I was still on there. 36,000 so I went on to my next axle and then he thought well actually you know what let me back that up that was a different story (laughs) this story sounds better when I tell it just when I wasn't there yeah yeah. (laughs) no I I okay so I actually just rolled through a two mile probably without stopping and then he looked at he saw that I was overweight gross weight and then he red lighted me went inside he told me you're you're over on your axles you're like oh no over on your gross Gross. weight and i was like there's no way you know i know i'm legal but is there a way i can reweigh myself um and he's like yeah sure so i went backed up got onto my steer axle stopped on my drive and then stopped on my trailer axle went back inside and he was like you're actually under 3600 axles and you're Sitting at seventy nine eight hundred. <laughs> nice. So I, w- I was only red lighting you in because um, I thought you were over gross weight. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I try not to break the law here. I tell the cop or DLT. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. And and I told him I come here every time. Like, like don't ever want to be overweight. And he's like, I've seen you a couple of times, but you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. And How did uh, that feel, Jesse? That, I mean, I just feel p- good. I mean, proud of myself. Just, yeah. Just keeping it that way. Yeah. 
Yeah. I no. love nothing better than to know without a doubt. Yeah. You are right when you pull into one of those scales. When you pull into a port to know beyond the shadow of a doubt, no, this is what this axe weighs, this is what this axe weighs, and this is what this axe weighs, and combined, I'm under 80,000 pounds. I mean, there is, and, and I just love the fact when you're right and they let you re-weigh and you're like, all right, I'm good to go. And you can look at them and go, hey, thanks, have a good day. Right. And they're like, God, I almost screwed that one up. You know what I mean? Right. That just feels great. I know I ran into a scenario one time, and I think it's been, I think it was at the beginning of COVID, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, Rosario got pulled into the port. The portable set up at the State Patrol office right there off Vasquez and uh, I-76, you know, at the State Patrol office, how the portable's set up in there every now and then. And he, I can't remember whether it was him or Jimmy, now that I think about it can't remember who it was it was one of those two guys i think it was rosario called and said hey they're they're telling me i'm like way over on my axle and I, i'm not right. and i knew when that driver called i believed him right. you know what i mean i do think it was rosario now that i think about it and uh, i'm like i'll come over i'll come over right now because he said they're going to ticket me and not let me reweigh and i'm like i'm on my way you know and it was funny when i got there i think they had given up the fight of of arguing with him and was pulling him across the scale, and I went up and I was like, "Hey, can I talk?" And man, they all grabbed a hold of their guns, like <laughs> like I was walking up with an Uzi and going to shoot them all or something. And I just approached him, and I've always been courteous, like, "Hey guys, how's it going? I'm such and such with JFW. Understand there's an issue here with our truck. You know, can we can we get a second look at that?" And you know, they reweighed him, and somebody said, "Oh, I thought it was a different truck." And they made all sorts of excuses, Jesse, and it was it was pretty poor because. That's what we don't like here. Yeah. You know, is when when you have them when you make a mistake, just own it. Right. Own it and move on. All they had to do was go, "Hey, when I weighed him, I thought this is what he weighed. I'm sorry, I, I missed it. He's free to go." You know, and they made all these excuses. It was a different truck. Yada yada yada. It just it just feels good, man. When it's right and you can go. Oh my god. When you shut it down right then and there. Yeah. You know, it's just it just feels really good. You sent me down to uh, the state shed on, what is it, Hamden and yes. what is that, 6th Avenue? No, yeah. Hamden. Dan Woosley was down there, and they had him overweight, and he's like, there's no way, there's no way. So I go down there, and uh, they, wouldn't let, they wouldn't give him a leeway because they said it was too dangerous to back up, <laughs> and they didn't trust him to drive around and come back. They thought he would dump some of his load. So they were refusing, and you were like, well, let's call the supervisor. And the supervisor said, they got hand scales. And they called them, and they made those guys bust out their hand scales. <laughs> they were not happy about that. <laughs> so, so he gets weighed, and the guy's like, yep, 84,000 told you. I'm like, yeah, we're on, a, we're on a secondary road. Yeah. That's legal. And he's like, oh, yeah. I mean, no one's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. Just because they have a star on their chest doesn't right. mean they're perfect. Right. right. They're human beings. They make mistakes. You know, we've, I've seen some of those guys because on their shift change, you know, every week or every two weeks, those guys swap schedules. They work days and right. nights. When you catch one of those guys and they just got off of a night shift and they just rolled the days or vice versa, that's not easy to abide by, you know, and, and be at 100%. And if anyone needs to be at 100%, they do. Right. You know? And they so, need to understand that they make mistakes. We yeah. understand they make mistakes. Yeah. They need to understand that, too. Absolutely. So, so it... it Felt good, didn't it, Jan? Oh, God. <laughs> Me and Dan Woosley, I think we might have high-fived. Yeah. We were like... Right? You know, it was, it was I mean, those, those situations are few and far between. And, you know, that's what's the great thing about doing it right. 
And when you have a driver call you to be able to bust out there and get there and, and just back them up. You know what I mean? You have a driver that's doing it right. He needs the support or she needs the support and you're just, you're just on it, you know, backing them up. And I, that just always makes me proud, you know, that, Hey, we've got your back. We're here to support. Right. We're here to do the right thing and you've been doing the right thing. Let's prove it. And the driver before Dan, <clears throat> he just took the ticket. Yes. And called us later. Yeah. And it's like the opposite. Of, right. If you guys have a problem with the port, especially with some portables, give us a call. Let us try to help. Yeah. Nobody wants that on their CSA's car. Yep. It's easier to involve us in the moment yes. than try and back clean up afterwards when it's all said and done. You you can't really do anything then. It's said and done. Yep. <clears throat> Jesse, what are you going to do when we sell 008? I'll probably take over Dustin's truck. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to fight with him to get in that. You better keep going to the gym, Jesse. <laughs> I know I'm going to need some help with that, but no, um, honestly, I know what you guys are trying to do here. Um, it's all about fuel, economy, saving and stuff, but just don't put me in a freight tracker because <laughs> I don't want Mike to be happy about it. <laughs> oh, is he trying to push you to a freight Yeah, line? he's trying to put me to a freight tracker. He's like, freight trackers don't break down. Well, he's he's got a point. Yeah, so, <laughs> They're I mean, the most dependable trucks in the fleet, He's Jesse. funny because he's like, Jesse, you'd look really good in a freight liner. Yeah, he <laughs> always said that. So, uh, no, I mean, honestly... If I if I were to put in a Kenworth, one of those automatics, I mean, doesn't matter. I mean, it's more money. Money for me is different. Yes, yep. lighter. lighter and stuff. Yeah. So, might as well make more, a little bit more money. Yeah. So, sure. Not not in a joking manner, Jesse, but I mean, you know, the I'll use the term super trucker since you're a super trucker. You know, you like to shift that 13 speed. Yeah, I mean, it, it's gonna. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss it for sure. Yeah. Um, that's how that trucking that truck itself really changed me. It really did. Yeah. Um yeah, I learned everything that I could be as a truck driver in that truck. So yeah, I don't know, it's just um I'm gonna miss it for sure. If gotcha. If you ever, what? What do you think some of the advantages for JFW are having those automated transmissions? Because you know they're still a manual transmission, but they're automated. They're called AMTs, automated manual transmissions. Yeah. Advantage? What, what, yeah, what do you think for JFW? How do you think JFW benefits by that? I mean, gas mileage, fuel mileage, pretty much. Um, safer. You don't have to be concentrating on shifting while there's like traffic in front of you and stuff um not burning down your brakes um it's easier to downshift on in an automatic yeah there's a lot there's a lot to it when you're when you have a 13 speed versus a automated transmission and it's way easier jfw benefits for the average driver yeah being in that truck and what i mean by that is someone who isn't real aware of how to drive that manual transmission and how to leave the line and whatnot so that that automated transmission it really helps it's much easier on the clutch you know all of the drivetrain all the way around we just benefit in all these little ways a good driver which i'll say as yourself yeah you're probably equal to that transmission because you know 
to keep your RPMs low. You know when to shift. You know what gear to take off in. Right. You know not to slip the clutch. You know, you know what I mean. But you've you've curtailed your your qualifications to that. So yeah. it's impressive to watch. I'm I'm proud of you, Jesse. It takes a lot to be honest. I mean, I've always started my truck in first gear, low low when loaded. No matter where flat uphill doesn't matter i've always wanted the transmission to be easy on itself yep. and i've always been shifting it that way so and then yeah just yeah there's a lot a lot to it that automatic transmission can be really safe safer for different reasons absolutely it's also lighter lighter yep Jesse, do you feel recognized and appreciated here at JFW? Not really. Sorry. <laughs> Perfect. No, I uh, no, I do. I do. Do feel you feel picked on? All the time, <laughs> but I'm okay with it. I'm not really hard on that. Um, no, I, I always feel recognized and appreciated here. I mean, you guys always come up to me, you know saying how I am and how's your day and do you guys always you know ask if I need anything I mean you guys always been so helpful is there any ways we can make other people feel more recognized and appreciated yeah I say you I say we do that whole ice cream thing and taco thing (laughs) not just to you know take advantage of you (laughs) brother Dave (laughs) To be eating and stuff. No, it's just it's all about getting together with other drivers and learning. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, just I've always liked that, getting talking with another driver. and Yeah, that's right in the name, Ice Cream Social. It's yeah. a social event yeah. you know, where we get to BS a little bit and kind of relax a little bit and take our masks off and just yep. hang out. Yeah. yeah. Do you take the opportunity, Jesse, when you run into a driver here that you don't know to introduce yourself? I'm a little shy when it comes to that, so yeah. I'm not really good on that. Yeah. Um, did when you first started here, did did you have drivers do that to you? Uh, yeah, a couple, yeah, a couple of drivers, and then then I eventually starts opening up more. Yeah. Yeah. So it does. It's it is harder for the new guys to get around. If you don't, I don't know, if you don't do this whole taco thing and ice cream things and stuff <laughs> like that, I just feel like new drivers should really get out there more and, and get to know other drivers. That way they can learn something more yeah. about trucking. And so you think they should come introduce themselves no, to no, you? No. No? I mean, us veteran drivers, Yeah, we should be more open and giving a hand to those new drivers yeah yeah and teaching them almost be a mentor yeah a teacher teacher yeah someone to assist yeah i think that means a lot when when uh, a veteran driver takes the time to go introduce themselves to a new driver and say hey i'm such and such you ever need anything i'm in this truck number call me on the radio or you know, even if you want to spend the time and give them your phone number or whatnot, call if you have questions or whatnot. Yeah. I always think that feels welcoming. You know, I, I've talked about how my son, we went to an official visit up at Purdue, the University of Purdue up there in Indiana, and, uh, you know, he was able to commit to their swim program up there. They gave him a, a, offered him a scholarship, and he jumped on it. And what was impressive when we got up there is 
my wife and I and him, we got to go on that visit, right? Well, the coaches took my wife and I, and the swim team just reaches out all of the all of the people that have been on that swim team for one, two, three, four years. They all just grab our son and take him. Right. They're like, hey, I'm such and such. You're going to be with me. Let's go. And they all introduce themselves, and they're all, it's a pack. You know what I mean? And they all just take him in and, and try and learn about him, you know, and they want to know what he's like. And basically they're the ones who a week later report back to the coaches, hey, he's good enough to be on our team because he's not only a good swimmer, but he's a good human being, right? Or he's a jerk. We don't we don't want that guy. We don't want that culture, right? I mean, those are the things. And, you know, I don't know if all the – if everybody knows that here, but we do that with our, our night crew for the mechanics. Yeah. Mike may find someone to hire, you know, just because they fit the qualifications. He brings them in, and he and John interview them. But whether everyone knows it or not, that person comes back for a second interview and meets the whole night shift. They have dinner together and break bread together, and they talk, and you just get a feel for each other. And then the next day, the team votes, hey, do we want this guy on our team or not? You know, so that way it's kind of, it's not just someone saying, here's your new person. You know, the whole team got to vote on that. So I really like that. I know everyone on the night shift likes that because it's not – there wasn't someone that shows up and says, well, I never would have hired him. He's I'm making it up. He's a Raiders fan or something like that, you know, which is a stupid analogy. I'm just throwing that out there. But you know what I'm getting at. So I think it's imperative that that a veteran person here introduce themselves to those new guys. I think that that means the world. And I try to um, get out there. I mean, I, I've always carried that with me, like, and being shy with the person that I don't know. Sure. Um, but I will, you know, be better at, at that. I know I haven't been around meeting new people, but I will, I will do that. And if you, I mean, if you guys have any questions or whatever, you can always find me. Yeah. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Excellent. What do you want to see next at JFW? I mean, you guys already did so did so much already. Um, I kind of want to bring up that last question that I asked on the other podcast or episode. Go ahead and ask it. I don't remember. <laughs> the question was um, if JFW ever going to have more positions, like for example, Van Reaper, flatbeds, more um, divisions. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the only thing that I would like to bring up on, you know. I know you already talked about it on the last whatever episode that was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing Jim and I have learned is when we have a customer come to us, never say no. Right. And we've we've, we've learned that the hard way, right? It's <laughs> like any other success. We failed at it one time, and, man, we learned after that, never say no. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say no, Jesse. That won't ever happen. Are there plans for it right now? No. You know what I mean? But, man, if somebody showed up and said, hey, we want you to haul all of our heavy equipment and we need you to go buy three low boys, we would go do it. If somebody shows up and says, hey, we know you guys, we have this run from, I don't know, here to, I don't know, Longview, Texas, three loads a week, will you do it? And the price is right. We would do it. You know, I mean... We're not aggressively out hunting for that right now. You know, we have enough, our hands are full at the moment to take care of that stuff. But I mean, I just sent two emails out this morning to a customer that that 
you know, I I personally am trying to woo this customer and get them because it ben we all benefit by it. You know, and those are just things that Jim and I take care of on the side or Linda and dispatch or whatnot, you know, where we're always out trying to gain that because it's a benefit to JFW and that helps everyone here. So those are things that happen behind the scene. So I certainly won't sit here and tell you no, that won't happen, Jesse, but is there anything in the works at the moment? There's not at the moment, but that could change tomorrow. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's the only question that I would like to, you know, talk about here next for JFW. Okay. <clears throat> We're almost done with your interview, Jesse. you have any uh, final thoughts for the fleet? Any advice you would give them? Not your final thoughts, but any advice you would give the fleet? Uh, man, literally give each other space. Slow down. Stay on the right lane. It's, how it's how much space? Seven seconds. Like more than seven seconds in oh, front wow. of you. Yeah. Good. We got guys with point seven seconds. Well, <laughs> you're right, Jeff. Yeah. I'm sitting here laughing, and I shouldn't be. Yeah, I just reached out to two of them yesterday morning on the way to work. Like, right. oh my gosh, you, can't, you guys aren't even a tractor trailer length apart. Yeah, you know, two of them with no one around, just staring at lights on a tailgate at sixty miles an hour approaching a curve. I honestly do not like that when the truck is literally right behind me. Oh yeah, I do not, and I'm not that type of person to get on the radio and tell you to back off because I'm not. Yeah. But yeah. and I want to, and so, I don't want I I don't want the other driver to you know start some beef with me and you know <laughs> I just that's the only that's the thing that I don't want to get out yeah jesse i'm sure i'll get fallback for this you can ask super dave or brother jim but i was the first driver when i was on the road every day yeah. i would get right on the cb and look right at you and go dude unless you're hemorrhoid get off my ass right. you're more than welcome to go around me i'll pull to the shoulder you can take the lead knock yourself out get off my ass yeah i do not like it it's not a professional look i just because i'm in the front doesn't mean you have the right to be on my ass it just right. it doesn't make me look good and i'm not doing anything wrong Right. So you 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 want to you want to change the view? Go on around. I'm I am more than I will slow down and let you in front of me. Yeah. Knock yourself out. And then I also want to talk about that whole Highway 85 stress there. Oh. Um. Literally, there's no there's no reason for you guys to be in a left lane. Literally, Say that again, Jesse. A little louder. No reason to be <laughs> on the left lane. At all, I love at it. any point. I love it because like you're you're gonna get caught up at a light if you pass me. It's just like pretty much a cow and mouse game there. What I did, like I've always taught myself to just cruise at 60 miles per hour or even less on the right lane, and then just kind of play with the light, watch it go red or green, and and there you're just flowing with the traffic. You yeah. don't even have to stop. Wasting your diesel. Yeah. Yeah. Lowering your fuel mileage, yeah. right? You're you're actually perfecting your craft. Yeah. You're being better at what you do, looking more professional. Yeah. Absolutely. And then wearing wearing down your brakes like that when you're coming to a stop, going seventy two miles per hour, there's no reason to do that. Yep. Um what do you think about the new cameras we got coming with the coaching features? Honestly that will literally change everybody. Cause I remember I had I was the first person to have that older camera that we have, and it was I, 
it was telling you how much space you had in front of you and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And honestly, that really did help. I think it will change driver habits for sure. Nice. <clears throat> All right, moving on to the safety topics of the week. This is a three-part question. I don't know. Want to, I don't know if you want to field this one, Super Dave. But why the new axle trailers are not lifting off the ground? Why do we lift axles off the ground? And why we switch to manual valves on the side of the trailers. You want to take that? Sure, I can. Um, the trailer valve um, that lifts that axle off the ground <clears throat> is back ordered. So we just got the trailers without that valve. Mm-hmm. And Mikey is actually trying to um, put together a system to do it here at JFW. Um, and he's, he's doing his magic and his engineering and uh trying to uh, put together something that is actually not going to malfunction like those original valves do. They tend to malfunction a lot. Yeah, yeah. just um, FYI, he, they've got the first one installed. They tested it last Friday and everything worked. So wow. Yeah, that's it's awesome. In, it's in motion. So. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, he's, that's he's, JFW he's being He's seen better. and overcome all that stood before right, us. Yeah. Right, He JFW'd it. Damn right. He JFW'd it. Right on, right on. Um, you know, the... The lift axle off the ground, <laughs> I just say it's to look cool <laughs> because 90% of your tire and brake wear happen when you're loaded, so I'm not quite sure exactly why we do it. <laughs> but uh, it, it isn't significant on brake wear, but it is significant on tire wear. Mm-hmm. And and the main reason is, our whether everyone knows it, our, our, everybody calls them super singles. The correct version is they're wide base tires is what we run. They're not super singles. And they're designed to be at one weight, right? So we fought irregular wear all these years that we've been running those tires, but the increase in fuel mileage that we get from running them is significant enough. We've been able to battle through the irregular tire wear. Well, that irregular tire wear is is amplified because we're running it completely loaded and completely empty. When we figured out we could lift that axle off the ground and only run that tire loaded, we increased our our wear significantly, you know, and we just talked about it on last week's podcast. The new Bridgestone Great Tech tires that we're running, if unless we damage one of those tires and it can't be repaired, we can get two hundred thousand miles out of that tire now. So it's it's pretty impressive what we're doing. Didn't want to interrupt you, but that's why, Dave. That's okay. And and money and to look cool. <laughs> and to, and it does look cool. You bet. Yeah. I think it's funny how many other competitors are starting to pick that up after all these years we've been doing it. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, and a lot of the drivers think we're stepping backwards with the manual valve. Well, how come we've had automatic valves for 15 years and now we're having manual valves? Well, I'll tell you, we, again, had a lot of malfunctions with those automatic valves. Um, and when you have a valve malfunction and you are not aware and start to dump your load, you have a lot of problems because that tailgate, it will not open and you're going to dump a lot of uh, 20 tons, maybe even 25 tons of material against that tailgate and it is not opening up. You're going to spend the next hour to two hours shoveling that material away from the tailgate. Nobody wants to do that, right? So we feel it's actually uh, a means to an end to have the driver get out of the truck, manually open his tailgate, and hey, you're only five feet away from the back of the trailer. Go ahead and make sure those um, tailgate latches are open, and that way you won't be shoveling for an hour or an hour and a half. Um, but 
either way, it's it's actually um, safer because you know your tailgate's going to open, and it also allows that driver to get out of his truck, take a walk around his truck, have a good look at everything, make sure everything is okay, flat tire, air leak, um, oil dripping on the ground. I mean, when you're on the ground, you have a chance to look at that truck closely. So it's actually two twofold. Excellent. Brother Dave, with all the new trailers that we've put in the fleet, how can we ensure we get the most life out of the liners? That is a great question, Jam, and that is so driven on the driver maintenance of that liner and your your dumping abilities of that liner. You know, we had a driver a couple weeks ago. I don't know whether he was in an interview we had or what the scenario was, but we were chatting it up with him and he was talking about he had dumped in dumps before but never dumped them our way and this is kind of a twofold deal how we have you set the trailer brakes, raise the trailer up until material starts coming out, then release the trailer brakes and set the tractor so you pull the trailer to the truck. We do that for two reasons. The first reason is if you've never dumped an end dump, it's the easiest way to, to explain how to do that. You know, if you're after honing that skill, I never set those brakes, either axle, I'm able to pull the put the pinch valve down or aka Johnny bar, whatever you want to call it, but that pinch valve is what they are now. You set the pinch valve, you run the trailer up, you know, two, three, maybe pushing four stages. The bulk of the material is starting to flow out. I have my foot on the brake pedal, the foot brake pedal. I release the Johnny bar and the load actually pushes me away from the pile. Either of those reasons, you're getting the same result. And the goal is, if you just leave that trailer sit completely still, there's a pile of material on the ground, and say it's rock, that trailer is actually lifted and forced into that pile of rock, forcing rock to go up under that liner. Well, once you have rock under the liner, you don't clean out the liner every load, right? So you go get your next load. Well, wind is hitting it, there's vibration, and that rock is working its way up that floor between the liner and the floor of the trailer it could work itself up six feet well then you can't get it out you load that next load on it it has a dimple and the rock is stuck there it's smashed in there you'll never get that out well within six months if you haven't gotten it out and you know it's in there and haven't said anything you now have a hole in the liner that liner just with the onset of covid you guys that liner has gone up nine hundred dollars i don't know whether anyone knows what it takes to make plastic but it's an insane amount of fuel. I haven't priced any liners in the last 90 days with what fuel has done. I bet it's up another $900. I wouldn't doubt those liners are approaching $6,000 now. They've been around three to 4000 for the last several years, but as with everything else in the last 24 months, they've gone up in incredibly. So the maintenance on those liners is significant. The longer we get that liner to last, we're just money ahead. And I guess... We like to drive home the point, the more you take care of that liner, the more you benefit, meaning every employee here benefits. They benefit because, in turn, JFW has more financial stability to offer back to you in new programs, to continue to enhance that PTO program, to continue to provide better health insurance, or continue to provide newer equipment, or all of those things. I mean, the JFW family has tried to show you what what we give what we give back and i i just you know every time that comes up i always try and drive that point home Mm -hmm. the better you are at your job the more money jfw will make that just comes back to you 
I mean, any chance we can give back, we give back. That's that's our goal because without our people, we're nothing. You know, everyone here is our frontline. You know, Jam has basically coined the phrase, and and Super Dave and all of us here. There's two positions here at JFW. You're either a driver or you're driver support. Well, Jim and I are the owners, and we're driver support, right? right? You know what I mean? We're we're here to serve our internal customers, which are are everyone here, right? We have to serve everyone and, you know, try and educate everyone. We just ran into a scenario yesterday on the radio and I'm as at fault as anyone, but a driver called the shop. This is 9 a.m. on Tuesday morning. And he says, hey, I just dumped out at Union. I'm all ready to go. I'm empty now, but my lift axle isn't lifting. The shop asks, what trailer are you pulling? He gives the trailer number. Mike looks right at the mechanic talking to him on the phone and says, hey, you know, that trailer is one of the brand new trailers. It doesn't have, it has lift axle ability, but we're short that valve. We're running them without the lift axles functioning right now. So the mechanic tells the driver that and he's like, oh, okay. Hangs up the radio. We're all done. Another mechanic walks up and says, you know, he's been pulling that trailer for a week and a half now. We all kind of joke about it in the shop, myself included, thinking, gosh, this guy's been pulling this trailer for a week or a week and a half and doesn't know until Tuesday at 9 a.m. that it's malfunctioning, right, or or not functioning, but he's been pulling it for a week or a week and a half. We all kind of make little comments. And I got home last night and that it it truly hit me. I had that aha moment like, holy cow, we failed incredibly. We needed to call that driver. We needed to explain why his lift axle wasn't working. We need to tell him about the valve. And also for me, it was an aha moment that, you know, this is a guy that may need some additional help. Has he been explained what the white light is for the self-inflation system? Does he know not to have the the airlines drag the catwalk? Does he Does he have all this other information that if he was missing that, which seemed so, so, it almost seemed ridiculous at the moment. I'm not trying to point fingers. He is a new driver, right? So in my eyes, after looking back on it, we failed epically. We failed, myself included, failed epically. And Jesse, to me, I relate that as no different than the accident you had. I failed. I took an opportunity that could have been a learning moment. And and we made little comments amongst ourselves as a joke, like, ah, you know, blah, 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 whatever the scenario was that was said, you know, and it hit me hours later, hours later, because I wasn't focused in the moment on what was going on. And, you know, now today I'm trying to track that guy down. I'm trying to find out who that was because I didn't, no one wrote it down. It wasn't a major deal. It wasn't anything. But I need to know who that guy was so we can help educate him and make him better because if he's better, JFW is better. Right. And, and, you know, that's, Every day I learned something, and that was an aha moment. But unfortunately, it was an aha after I got home. And today I'm I'm backpedaling. You know, I'm being reactive instead of proactive. I would have been proactive at the moment if I would have picked up the phone and called and had a conversation with that guy and explained everything. And I failed at that. And it, those are the moments that bug me, Jesse. When when I know better, but I'm preoccupied with other things on my mind that I'm trying to take care of. Yeah. And we don't we don't serve that employee. He's our customer. And we didn't serve him as well as we could have. So is he having a good experience here? He may not be. Who knows? Uh-huh. But we we need to ensure he is. Right. Uh, you went from ha-ha to ah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, man. Perfect, Jim. Yeah, yeah. We kind of, you know, 
amongst us in the shop. We made a few comments like, uh, you know, can you believe that? Blah, 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 blah. And I don't want to get into it because I'm embarrassed by it. Yeah, I mean, we, I truly am, but I'm sitting here admitting fault. Yeah, I like that. And yeah. we could play out of that. Just thinking about that, Dave, him being a new driver, he probably got that trailer, didn't know about the lift axle. Yeah. And then somebody else might have been like, hey, your lift axle is not working. Spot and, on. And he didn't have the education to be like, well, here's why. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. a, lot of, a lot of different things can yeah. happen. But yeah. Yeah. Appreciate that, Dave. Uh, JR touched on it this week, <clears throat> but we need to be doing good pre- and post-trip inspections so that you're ready to run the next day with us getting busier and busier. And Jim sent over the question of the day. Why does, it, why does the FMCSA require you to do a pre-trip and a post-trip if you're the only driver of the truck? And why does the rule read that way? What's the difference between pre-trip inspection and post-trip inspection? And the answer he has written down is a good pre-trip inspection keeps the driver from leaving your facility with a vehicle that has an existing problem. A good post-trip inspection gives the shop time to react to a problem that has been identified and to correct it before the truck goes back out on the road. We say this all the time. At 5 a.m. in the morning here at JFW, we have one mechanic here. Chris, usually today it was Ricky. <clears throat> if, if two guys have a flat tire at 5 a.m., how many can he change at one time? One, <laughs> right? So the first guy's waiting and the second guy's waiting even longer. You know, any problem that you have that's written up before you go home, our night shift is amazing. They're the bomb. Yeah. If they can't fix it, there's a really good reason <laughs> why it didn't get fixed. Those guys leave when we're coming in sometimes. So... That's that's the big reason is write it up and have your truck fixed while you're at home with your family, while you're sleeping, instead of having to deal with that when you come in. Just yesterday morning, I was in a red lot. Watch the, watch the driver pull up, <clears throat> walk up to his truck, get in the door, start it up, waited for his pressure to build up, and, and off he went. You know, and it's, it's just crazy. It's crazy to me. So pre-trip and post-trip, guys. Questions from the audience. I got one today, and that was from Joanne Leonard. She wants to know why can't the guys wear shorts? And that's a great question. I would love to see Jesse in a pair of shorts this year. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the answer is you can wear shorts, but you have to have pants in a truck, just like sneakers or tennis shoes, whatever you want to call them. When we're in, a, when we're in our pits, they're governed by MCHA, which is the OSHA of the mining community. And their rules are you have to have pants and, and boots. So you guys can wear shorts, but you have to have a pair of pants with you. If you break down in one of the mines or the pits and you got to get out of your truck, you're going to have to wear a pair of pants. So hope that answers that question for everybody. Good question, though, Joanne. And it's Brandon policy at the plant location. Okay. Right? Brandon, I mean, that's an MSHA rule. They don't, they don't think people are going to be as safe in shorts as they are in pants, right? So... Right. Trying to figure out why. <laughs> like, well, I mean, if you walk by and scuff a shin on something, just walking around a corner of the truck. Right. So abra right? If you had abrasions. Pants on, yeah. If you had pants on, you're not going to get scratched. Abrasions right? and cuts. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes sense. Super Dave. Oh, Jesse, you have a question? Uh, I want to bring up about the the liner. Yeah. Um, I mean, if if there there's a washout at Fort Lufton, Firestone, I mean... Just stop there once in a while, wash out any type of rock underneath the liner, just use a crowbar and kind of like lift up the liner and then spray water through it 
so the rock can yeah. come out. Yeah. I've always done that every time I get loaded with special sand and stuff just to clean that out. And I really do care about my liner because I hate the fact that um, when I had my older trailer, it had holes and stuff, mm-hmm. and I was doing quarters, and it made everything worse. Yep. And, Great point. Yeah, and I had to be sweeping out all the time, wasting my time and stuff. So just wash out underneath the liner, any pits, it'll save you big time later down the road. That's a great point, Jesse. Yeah. It is. I, I, I have to caution people when they wash out, though, Jesse, because it's, it's like anything else. There's a technique to it. Yeah. You don't want to aim that great big fire hose right at the rock and drive the rock further <laughs> right. up the liner, yeah. right? You need to run the fire hose or the volume of water next to it to the side of it so the water goes up under the liner and pools and washes the rock down yeah. next to it. And I know a lot of people just don't think of that. And we, I, I mean... I caution everyone, there's a technique to that. You can't just do that and blast the rock further yep. up under there. Because once it gets so far, you can, you can't get it out. Right. Right. You know what I mean? It it needs to be brought into the shop. We need to take a jack, jack a hump up in the center, try and make a hook and get the hook up there. Man, if, if anyone's out there that has a rock that's you know further up than you can reach by lifting the back of that liner, let us know. Right. Let the shop know you have rock under the liner because... It's easier for us to get the rock out right now than it is to repair a hole. You know, and we've been blessed. Of, I, I, what's it been, a year, a year and a half now? I guess we bought it before we replaced the 40 trailers. Mm-hmm. We bought a plastic welder. And, I mean, we spent, I think that welder was over $10,000, oh, Jesse. Wow. And we have, uh, between Chris and Mitch, I mean, they are superstars. We're, we're making repairs to our liners that aren't really possible. And we've 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 perfected a technique that it's it's working. As a matter of fact, we have. I'll just brag on our shop. They're doing such a good job. Uh, Mike's got a good friend works at Western Distributing, and he reached out because they have a hole in one of their liners on one of their end dumps. They took it to Merritt to be repaired and dropped it and left it there. And two days later, you know, because everybody's so busy, Merritt calls him up and says, "Well, you have a hole in the liner. We can't repair that." And they're like, well, wait a minute. What do you mean you can't repair it? And he's like, no, we have to replace the liner. There's no repairs can be made. And this guy's like, well, I've heard Mike say that JFW has been repairing their liners for a long time now. And he reaches out to Mikey and <laughs> Mike sends him a, he sends Mike a picture. Mike's like, yeah, we can repair that. And he's like, well, wait a minute. Merritt is a trailer repair facility yeah. and they can't repair it. And Mike's like, yeah, we know what we're doing. You want it repaired? Bring it over. You know, and they've done some favors for us in the past and whatnot. Right. So Mike just asked me, he's like, are you okay if we repair it? And I was like, yeah, dude, there's a freebie, man. I'll take, <laughs> Mitch can knock that out in a couple hours right. and they're good to go and we're good to go and save faith and create a relationship, right? Yep. So. We JFW'd it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, we're just, man, I mean, we have tried everything on those liners over the last 30 years, you know, I mean, Buddy. I can reach out one, Super Dave pulled our only round bottom trailer for I'll say 10 years, shoot, I don't know how long we had that Lumatech, Dave, but it was the only one we had, and it was kind of funny, when we when we put the liner in, we squared it off in the nose instead of rounding it, with the whole goal, so when we wore out the ass into the liner, we unbolted it from the front, turned it around, and pushed it back in so it was backwards, because think about it, you never wear out the front of the liner, right, Jesse? Front of the liner is like brand new, right? So we... We wore out the rear end and we picked it up and spun it around and put it back in. And I think Super Dave got like 
shit, eight years, nine years out of that liner, right? That's just that's just one guy taking care of. I something. never had a liner put in it the whole time I pulled. Right, the right. Yeah, I think we finally did when we sold it or something, mm-hmm. Dave. You know, and it it wasn't until the last year or two here that we've perfected being able to put two liners together. So I mean, it's it's a big deal. I mean, what we're the things we've developed and come around to that we do, I'm 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 amazed by Jesse, and the average person doesn't even realize that. Right. I got a question for you, Dave. Is the quote a uh, liner thicker now on the new trailers than the ones that we had before? No, we've stayed with the same exact liners. We start with a with a three eighths thick liner in the nose, and all we've done is in we bump up to half inch thick. Mm-hmm. It used to be the last eight feet. And now I think we, at some point, we switched to the last 12 feet. Now I think we're up to the last, no, I think it is 12 feet. So it starts at three-eighths, comes all the way back to the last 12 feet, and then it's half-inch thick. Okay, because I've seen a notice or a change now with the new trailer that I have. Uh-huh. Um, cores stuff usually buckles up the liner uh-huh. when you dump it. Yeah. And it doesn't do it on the... The new one. So that was something through all these trailer purchases we've learned. We're looking at the new liners, mm-hmm. and so many of the older trailers that we bought and owned, the liners, they grow. When they get hot, they expand. When they get and cold, they shrink. Yeah. Right? So guess what? That Coors is, what, 150 degrees, 180 degrees when we load it, so it's hot. Yeah. So it takes that liner, and it expands it. It pushes it out the back. It expands it up the sides, and it creates a bubble underneath it because there's if it doesn't have room to expand in those z channels or those strips we're we're screwed right right so mike's been taking on every new trailer that we purchase we make sure there's room for it to grow away from the to the gate right and then we also make sure that there's room on the sides and we've really tried to drill that home to the manufacturer but they're like everyone else they're struggling you know with with installers so we've just really tried to stay on top of that. Yeah, and I do see that way where it looks like it's coming up, but then it comes back in when it's yep. cold. And yeah, yeah, I just wanted to talk about that. Yeah, no, yeah. that's a great point, Jesse. Yeah. Good stuff. Soup, you want to hit us with High Road Holland? Right on, we will do. The High Road Holland this week is going to be about fear. Fear is probably the most powerful emotion that we're blessed with. I'm scared. And uh, everybody feels it from time to time, right? (laughs) If you're scared of something, don't be afraid to face your fear. Fear is the most powerful, one of the most powerful emotions. It is a very strong effect on your mind and body. Fear can create strong signals of response when we're in emergencies. For instance, if we're caught in a fire or being attacked. It can also take effect when you're faced with non-dangerous events like exams, public speaking, a new job, a date, or even a party. It's a natural response to a threat that can be either perceived or real. Early humans needed the fast, powerful responses that fear causes, as they were often in situations of physical danger. However, we no longer face the same threats in modern day life. Despite this, our minds and bodies still work the same way as our early ancestors, and we have the same reactions to our modern worries about bills or travel or social, social situations. But we can't run away from or physically attack these problems. Fear may be a one-off feeling when you're faced with something unfamiliar, but it can also be an everyday, long-lasting problem, even if you can't put your finger on why. Some people feel a constant sense of anxiety all the time, 
without any particular trigger. There are plenty of triggers for fear in everyday life. You can't always work out exactly why you're frightened or how likely you are to be harmed. Even if you can see out of proportion of fear is, the emotional part of your brain keeps sending danger signals to your body. Sometimes you need mental and physical ways of tackling fear. If, you're always, if you always avoid situations that scare you, you might stop doing things that you want to or need to. You won't be able to test out whether the situation is always as bad as you expect, so you miss the chance to work out how to manage your fears and reduce your anxiety. Anxiety problems tend to increase if you get into this pattern. Exposing yourself to fears can be an effective way of overcoming this anxiety. Here are some ideas to help you face your fears. Learn more about your fear. The first step can be the hardest one, but it's also absolutely necessary. You can't overcome fear that remains hidden in the dusty back room of your subconscious. Use your imagination in positive ways. An imagination is a wonderful thing. It gives you power, creativity, and the ability to think outside the box. Unfortunately, an active imagination can be harmful when it causes you to think about negative things. Your imagination can magnify your fears, making your situation seem much worse than it actually is. Also, you can use your brain in different ways than usual. Your fear and anxiety arise out of a certain part of your brain, and they allow emotion to overcome rational thought. When you feel your fearful symptoms coming forth, try to use a different part of your brain. Think about numbers, for instance. A nurse in the clinic might ask a patient to, patient to rate his pain on a scale of 1 to 10. Use this scale for your anxiety. How anxious are you when 1 is perfectly calm and 10 is very your very worst symptom. Stop and analyze. Do you rate your fear at seven? Very good. Now you can work on lowering that to a four or a three. Try using the next step to lower your fear. Focus on your breathing. Breathing is more important than you think. Usually anxiety begins with short breaths. The short breaths cause a number of negative reactions in your body which quickly become anxiety attack. The key to overcoming those fast outbreaks of anxiety is to control your breathing. Fortunately, deep breathing is not complicated. Once you have recognized that you are becoming fearful, stop and focus on your breathing. Take a breath in and then slowly let it out. Make sure your exhale is longer than your inhale. This isn't just some psychological trick. Deep breathing forces your body to physically calm itself. Practice mindfulness. You've heard about mindfulness, but what exactly is it? Mindfulness is a passive thinking activity that allows you to become more aware of your fear. As you learn in step, step one, awareness helps you overcome your fear and anxiety. Use nature as your therapist. Talking to a therapist is excellent to work through your fears and anxiety. However, you can't always be in your therapist's office. Try going for a walk outside instead. Natural beauty found in parks, backyards, or wherever something green is growing does help reduce symptoms of fear and anxiety. Nature calms people, reducing stress levels and changing moods from anxious to relaxed. So when you're feeling scared or anxious, stop and look at the big picture. Analyze the situation, be mindful of the facts, and try a few of the things mentioned here. However, if you're cornered in the woods, 100 miles away from the nearest road by an 800-pound grizzly bear who wants your backpack, which happens to have all your food in it, you have a serious problem and have every reason to be scared to death. Good luck with that. <laughs> <Dave>. <laughs>
And here's the quote for the for the fearful week ahead. What is needed, rather than running away or controlling or suppressing or any other resistance, is understanding fear. That means watch it, learn it, come directly into contact with it, and we are able to learn about our fear, not how to escape from it, by Jiddu Krishnamurti, <laughs> who is an Indian philosopher. Got it. Yep. So watch out for that grizzly bear, guys. I like that. There's actually a book out there I recommend to uh, my students called The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. It could save your life one day. It's just talking about trust your gut and stuff like that. So That sounds uh, cool. I enjoyed that. Yeah. <clears throat> well, none of my thoughts are final this week, but Jesse, you have any final thoughts for the... Keep those tailgates tight. That's the edited version of what he really wanted to say. <laughs> I'll yeah. tell you all fair. I, I just have so many things on final thought of the of the items we talked about. Huh. You know, what Jesse and so many other people here do on a daily basis, they make it look easy. Right. But there's a lot of effort involved in cleaning out that trailer, you know, keeping that truck clean, doing a great post trip, keeping that tailgate tight, you know. <laughs> All of those things, you know, your driving habits, you're following too close, you're, you know, pushing in the left lane, you're uh, just, it goes on and on and on. And it takes very little effort to do all of those things. It really does. You know, it's kind of like the the deal about smiling. It takes two muscles in your face to smile, but it takes like 147 to frown, you know. So it's just easy. Just Just do your job. Right? I mean, it's it's not that difficult. Take care of that liner. Keep good following distance. Don't drive aggressive. Stay out of that left lane on Highway 85. Right, Jesse? I mean, a lot of things, but they're super easy. A lot of different reasons. Um, yeah. It's pretty easy to do it. And you guys can do that on your own, practice that, and it'll, it'll um, you know, get into you yep. of being a safe driver. I love that love saying. It. Do the right thing even when nobody's looking. Yeah. Soup. You know, nobody really knows what they're capable of until they are faced with it and actually do it. I like so that. Have confidence. I'm going to just reiterate what Jesse said. Keep those tailgates tight. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs> See you next week. week. Bye. Have a good one, guys.